Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the School of Humanity. I am Rachel Bowman. And I am Jason Bowman. And we are so happy to be back with you again. Um, we are just shocked because Lent starts next week. Is it next week? It is next week. As of the time that this airs, it will be next week. That that's true. That's true. Lent will begin. Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday, which is incredible. So make sure that you're going through your house, taking all your palms up to your church so they can have them for Ash Wednesday. I'm sure they appreciate that little reminder. Um, and how many of you have actually thought about what you're going to give up for Lent? Have you thought about that yet, love? I have thought a little bit about it. What You said you were going to give up um, alcohol, right? I did. I'm also going to give up alcohol <laughs> for Lent. That's um, cheating. You're pregnant. They don't know that. Not everybody knows that. Well, they do now. <laughs> Maybe they just thought I was really, really holy and we were just going to do this together. <laughs> um, no, jokingly, the other night, he, Jason did mention he was going to give up alcohol for Lent. And I laughed and I said, me too. I think I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> um, I've had other pregnancies during Lent, right? I think, you yeah, have. Gemma. Gemma yep. was during Lent. Yep. And um, and there's all of these things about like how much fish you can eat and, and shellfish you can eat and so that was kind of a, a challenge. Yeah, that but. was a challenge for you. But, and I think there's a little bit of an exception when you're pregnant. You know? Well, I mean, I, I was okay with just carb-only diets right. <laughs> on those Fridays as well. That, that's a really harsh life, you know. <laughs> I will fast all these meals and only have donuts for this third meal. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, but tonight, what we really we really wanted to talk, of course, about Lent, but to take a different kind of approach to it. And one of the things that we really wanted to talk about is, is why it's important to be selfless. So love. Right. So, I mean, prayer and fasting is kind of the essence of Lent. And And almsgiving. uh, And almsgiving, of course, true. Um, So one of the uh, beautiful phrases that has really been important to me uh, when we think about why do we fast, why do we you know, become more intense and intentional in our prayer life is the phrase um, selfless self-preservation. Fasting is... Say that five times fast. Selfless (laughs) self-preservation. That was only once, but okay. Give them a minute to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I... So we want to break that down a little bit. And the first thing that, if you're okay with it, Rachel, I might pose to you as... Fine, there's no one else in here, so I guess it has to be me. Why be selfless? Oh, man. (laughs) You know, we've talked about selflessness a lot, but of course one of our favorite things when we discuss selflessness is from the document from Vatican II, Gaudium et Spes, and it's paragraph 24, where they talk about the fact that man is the only creature who can only fully discover himself by giving completely of himself, by basically being a complete gift to another person. 
And so we actually talk about this a lot with our, our six-year-old, um, especially when it comes to sharing, you know, with his siblings. And so occasionally he'll come in and he'll be like, you know, mom, I was playing with this and Gemma took it or Jeremiah got upset because I took it from him. And so I'll ask him, do you feel better when you get it and you get what you think you want? Or do you feel better when you freely give up that thing for your brother or sister? Right, right. And of course, he always says that he feels better when he gives something to them. And I tell him all the time because that is, that's your, your calling just as a baptized Christian, as a, as someone that loves God, your calling is to give of yourself in that way. And it's such a small and minuscule thing just to give up a toy, but right, it's a large thing whenever you put that into parallel terms of being an adult and being selfless. But we are selfless because that's the best way for us to discover who we are. Yeah. Do I want a cookie or anything for that? I mean, or? you did really well there. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'd also add that whenever you drop Gabriel off to school every day, you always ask him. Yes, I always ask something, him. Right, so. I always ask him, you know, what is your mission today? And he says to be a gift and to allow others to be a gift to me. Yeah. I would almost say that that is like a summarization of what holiness is, right? Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I remember when he first started school and we started saying that because he's only in kindergarten. So this is his first year being away from mommy. And so I remember us talking about that a lot when I would drop him off. And, and in the beginning we discuss it at length, you know, in the morning, but now it just really comes down to those 30 seconds of me saying that. And, um, I remember asking him when he got in the car, you know, how was your day? And his day was then defined by those moments that he was a gift, which was really awesome. You know, he would get in the car and he'd say, mommy, someone dropped their pencil and I picked it up for them, (laughs) which I was like, okay. But then when I thought about it in light of the fact that he was trying to show me those moments when he was a gift or when he allowed other people to be a gift for him, uh, it was pretty profound. And he, he actually, I think that, um, the other thing that hopefully will come as he gets older, will be also concentrating on the fact that not only does he have to allow himself to be a gift, but as he does that, he will be better at allowing other people to be a gift for him. Right. But you can almost see how like he's intentional with what he's, what he's doing, you know, like when he is being a gift for the sake of the other, he's doing that with real intention, not just, uh, you know, without any, um, Without any leading or just, just, you know, on a whim. Right, exactly. Which is beautiful. Uh, But, you know, the, it is a profound statement, what it says in Gaudium et Spes, what you mentioned there about man, you know, fully actualizing when he is completely giving of himself for the sake of the other rather than being inward turning. And, um, and I think that it has been a life-changing thing for me to discover just that God's very point of view, his very hermeneutic, his, his mindset, the mind of Christ, within 
you know, the Trinity itself is to always be outward looking, you know, is to always be gift for the other. Even God himself doesn't think about, each person doesn't think about himself, you know, selfishly, which is just mind blowing because I think a lot of us, you know, we get stuck in that mode. And when we're in that mode, we are actually not right uh, being who we were called to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll uh, tell you one of the I think being being aware of this uh, truth that it and being selfless, you know, I am actually more of who I am supposed to be has been pretty difficult, even just as a pregnant woman, you know, um, I'm sure there's so many pregnant women that are listening right now, <laughs> but also maybe women that have been pregnant, but men to give you an insight into the way this works that, you know, that your body changes so much during pregnancy. And there's all of these things that come along with it, especially in the beginning where you can't eat a lot of food if you have that and you get sick all the time. And, um, and so I remember being, you know, sitting there and reflecting, I was thinking, gosh, I just don't want to. You just, it's such a, such a temptation to turn inward on myself. You know, that's why everybody always blames it on our mood swings. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, don't laugh at that. (laughs) It's not funny. Um, (laughs) But how, you know, maybe it's just her hormones and she just is, and, and of course that's a big part of it, but I don't want that to be the onus for it you know that can't be a crutch yeah what you do your whole this whole time you know man i just i can do whatever i want because there's a life growing inside of me (laughs) i think that does a lot you a lot of uh, freedom in your (laughs) i appreciate that honey (laughs) but no the that's that's definitely something that is very valuable when when you are able to know and reflect upon yourself and reflect upon your situation to say, you know, these are, these are choices too. It's not just driven by a chemical imbalance within me, but that it's, it's, it's a choice. Right. Right. So have we answered why fasting is self-preserving? No, I don't really do a lot of fasting right now. So I've got this, I think there's a baby in there, but I've got this big, this big belly that kind of, Concludes that I haven't been really fasting that much. So why is fasting selflessness? Well, I think the point of uh, fasting, well, I think first of all, when it comes to You must define fasting as well. I must define it? Yes. I mean, would you say fasting is giving up food? Well, I think... That's what people think, right? Right. They do think that. Um, And that is a form of fasting. But, you know, fasting is any time that you seek to detach yourself from anything that might stand to separate you from the Lord. I just wanted to say too, I think it's a good time for me to let you know that I'm going to fast from probably bedtime and diaper changing. I think maybe for, for Lent. I really feel like that that. those moments separate me from God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that when, you know, Abigail gets here, that, I am probably going to handle that a lot, and I'm prepared for that. It's true, what, but she might get here after Lent. So, I mean, I think that oh, especially even for now. Lent. Okay, well, <laughs> um, I don't know why we're having this conversation oh, in here. I just I think that I need <laughs> witnesses to 
the fact that you said you were going to take that on and that you accepted me in love and charity that this fasting will make me holier. I'll pray during those times, you know, I'm going to spend some time in in prayer and reflection (laughs) or spiritual reading. Right. So love you. Anyway, so then, so fasting is, uh, (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay, continue. So this Lent, you know, I would challenge us all to pray about those things which separate you from God. Um, and I read um, an email today which kind of, um, I think, applies where the person in the email was talking about the differences between internal and external happiness according to the Desert Fathers, which we have a lot to glean from. Obviously, they went into the desert in an effort to, you know, um, um, sanctify themselves, to sort of detach themselves from anything at all that would keep them from God and to solely focus on, you know, growing closer to the Lord in prayer. And um, so, you know, I think the way that he said it was real succinct. He said that external happiness are all those happy moments that we have, which tend to be situational, you know, like um, your birthday party or, um, you know, a nice bonus. Right. And paycheck there. I'd like one of those. Something like that. Okay. Whereas internal happiness stems from an encounter uh, with Christ. And and, and the best word, I think, is joy um, because it sort of, you know, transcends all situations. And uh, actually, there was a reading from St. Paul. I don't know if it was in Divine Office or in uh, Mass. I can't remember. But he talks about, you know, the fact that he's been, you know, living in luxury and he's also seen you know, uh, being in utter poverty and, 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 uh, that the joy in his heart sort of transcends all those things. It's a joy that lasts. It's a joy that, uh, can permeate every situation and that can only come from Jesus as we know. Right. Um, And I think that you can speak of that, um, personally in your experience, especially after, last Lent. Right. Um, but, um, no, it's such a beautiful thing to realize that, you know, that there is a, there is a vast difference between happiness and joy. I actually remember hearing that when I was Protestant. So, so when we were talking about that, right. Uh, tonight I was thinking that I remember it being profound then and how even, even more so now, but that, I mean, even just recently, Jason and I were discussing whether or not we should we should uproot the children and move. Right. Um, and the house that we live in, we've lived in it since we were, since we first got married. And it's the only house our children have ever known. So when we've talked about it with them, you know, they were just totally beside themselves. You know, we don't want to move. And, um, and then we were, of course, tempted by all of these great things that could happen should we move. And uh, until finally the stress level had just reached its peak and Jason just looked at me and he's like, I don't care where we live. You know, we could stay here, we could move, but, you know, that he, as long as we're together, right? it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, so yeah, I think during this preparation time for Lent coming up, one thing that we could suggest to people is what are those 
routine situations that you go to for that sort of sense of external happiness, which is rather fleeting, um, that you, if you sit there and meditate on it and you imagine yourself without those things or without that situation, you would fall into despair. Those right. are the very things that you may want to consider. Right. And as, the things that really yeah. call you into selflessness, you know, we, right. um, I know, and you, I'm talking to you, you lone listener out there, that most Lent, you give up the same thing, okay? Most Lent, you give up caffeine or candy or Coke. Right. And you've been doing that same thing for, you know, since you discovered what Lent was. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think the biggest challenge for us is just to try to discover something every, every season of Lent, right? something new that we can, because I mean, maybe candy's a huge vice, you know, I mean, <laughs> maybe that is a right. big deal, but if, if it's not, you know, if, um, you just really like Oreos and that's not something that separates you from God, right. I would challenge you to do something that really separates you from him. And maybe you look at your life and you're like, man, you know, I actually don't have a lot that separates me from him, then maybe you should reflect on something that could draw you closer. Right. Right. So maybe you're not called to say, man, I'm going to give up X, Y, Z, but instead maybe I'm going to. Right. But I think a lot of times it can be subtle. I mean, I think there are, so I'm going to give you an example. The reason why alcohol was put on my heart, it's not because I'm an alcoholic, but what I have found is, Alcohol in itself is not intrinsically evil. The act of drinking is not a sin. Right. And, but just like anything, it can be abused. And it's a, actually a beautiful gift from the Lord. It's a means of communion, you know? Right. And so when you freely, when you can freely enter into a dialogue with someone having a drink, it can be a beautiful, you know, supplement, if you will, to. <laughs> Um, your conversation, you know, right. Um, but when you start to seek it as an escape, you right. know, even if you're not an alcoholic, but I mean, I, I think or that as a I've, sense of freedom, right. I know? felt like there was a tug on me, like that. I wasn't free to not have a drink, you know, sometimes at night. And when I caught a glimpse of that, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to use this as an opportunity for Lent. Because it is something that I feel like a tug to do, um, believe it or right. not. And that, I mean, it's not because like, oh, I got to have a drink and like I'm an alcoholic in that <laughs> sense. Um, He's but, not, everybody. He's not. But, you know, again, it's become somewhat of a crutch to like, I've had a hard day. Let me right. Have a I drink, deserve you this. Know? I this, deserve it. Exactly. This glass. Uh, so. I've been really praying for you since we found out we were, ha- we were pregnant that you would give up. Alcohol. Well, maybe Lent, that's why. So. You know, maybe that's why the Lord <laughs> put it on my heart. I don't know. But but you can see how that's just a subtle thing that can go from what it's intended to be, which is you know a means of right. communion to a vice or something that steals your freedom from you. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm going to use that as you know something that I'm going to give up, and I hope. I mean, I, I don't hope, but I know I'll probably feel the sting of that because there's going to be a time that I want to have a drink and I won't. It's true. You know? um, but but 
um, just like it said in that email today. So, so like, for instance, if you were going to someone's ordination and, and we're celebrating, that's going to be during Lent. That is, yeah. That is during, is that during Lent? That is during Lent. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay, I lost my train of thought again. I'm so sorry. It's my fault. I do this to him all the time. Sorry, listeners. So, we were talking about the fact that um, just giving up something and that the Lord had put on your hearts that it was alcohol and that you had, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was such a vice for you, but it had turned into something. It could turn into something and it slowly was trying, I guess, but though you are far from it becoming a huge vice in your life. But you asked me actually, before we started recording, you know, what would I, what is something that I feel like I could, right. I could give up. Right. Um, and, and I told you, I, Jason, I were talking earlier and I told him that, you know, it's a lot easier. I mean, if you look at the things that people do or the things that vex you, most of the time, I would garner probably 80% of the time, if not more than that, if you really reflected on that thing that bothers you, it bothers you because it challenges you in some way. Like either it challenges you because you carry some of those same vexes, like you yeah. prov- you give those to other people. That's usually it. Or um, <laughs> it's somehow in that moment you don't feel loved or you feel like they're like attacking your identity. And so like an example of that is, is Jason, you know, works incredible amounts of hours. Um, and so he, and he's our sole income provider in the home. And so he will spend hours away from the house, come home and the kids will be in bed and he's, you know, not looked at his phone all day long and takes out his phone, you know, for five, 10 minutes and flicks through Facebook, flicks through his email. And I'll look over and in my mind, I'm like, gosh, I wish he would put his phone down. And so after a couple of times of this happening, I remember thinking like, he never gets to look at his phone. I mean, it's not a big deal. And I've never actually said that to you. Right. <laughs> I only say something before at dinner or anything like that. And we both say it to each other. Um, but I spent enough time thinking about it that I was like, you know what? I get annoyed by that because I know that I do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and so that is definitely something that I would want to work on during Lent, mostly just making Jason put his phone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the thing that I would work on is, is making sure that I don't take my phone out, you know? Right. Um, even getting in the practice of putting my phone somewhere in the house that I don't have quick access to it, you know, would be a, a huge step. I think I had given up Facebook last year. Right. I remember you gave up social media or something of some kind. Yeah. Which was challenging. Right. And right. I felt very detached from right. all things. <laughs> right. But just to to be cognizant of my time and not spend it flicking through a cell phone, you know, right. would be a big deal. I think um, I want to kind of turn and talk about some of the maybe some of the dangers if you will that that can come with Lent I think some people with like really good intentions I know we don't have much time left but they'll try to enter into Lent like intentionally trying to enter into like like a state of uh, desolation desolation and uh, so do you so you see the dangers in that I know you do (laughs) Keep going. Um, <laughs> um, but th- there's this temptation to think of yourself as like, you know, 
unworthy or you know this vile creature which actually is an incorrect mode you know right um i think we always need to enter into lent with a spirit of more joyful freedom for example like again we want to get in trouble for using joyful and lent together but I know, but honestly, there there has to be a sense of freedom when you enter into wanting to do a penance. No, you're or totally right because into, if you think uh, if you think about it, you are you should be releasing yourself of things that are not of you, right? To enter into greater freedom to be yourself. Exactly, exactly. That joy is always underlying. I mean, even during Lent, it's not like all of a sudden we should become joy joyless <laughs> and like <laughs> desolation and like beat ourselves you but know what because, if it's my hormones what if um i'm pretty sure that for the next 40 days <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be an influx of mood swings yeah so, so and it'll make you holy too because you'll have to deal with that right you're welcome so whatever you know you may be thinking like I'm going to take on spending more time in prayer, like 30 minutes in prayer, or I'm going to go before the Blessed Sacrament, or those kind of things. That should be entered into not out of this, like, sense of obligation that's just... Right. You know, because that's just mediocre, you know. You should pray about, what does the, how can I love the Lord? You know, like, what can right. I do... Um, what does the Lord want me to do? I, I mean, mean, I know he doesn't want you to do, quote, approach, do anything. But we approach people like that. Like we approach, you know, what can I do for my mom today right. that will show her that I love her? What can I do for my spouse or my children that will show them how much I love them? And it's right. crazy that we would not also approach Christ in that same way. Yeah. Yep. Um, and what ends up happening is when you try to do something, he's going to tell you that you're enough. Right. You know, and then you, you're humiliated and, you know, weeping and tears all over again, which is beautiful. <laughs> but whatever you decide to take on, you know, just make sure that it is not just an obligation, not just an empty, like you're doing it because it's Lynn and because you're Catholic, you know? Right. It's true. Um, all right. I won't give up alcohol. <laughs> I know that's really what this is all coming to, so. We thank you so much uh, for another. Yeah, we're out of time. Another beautiful week. Um, hopefully, we're not the only ones who are sad when we're out of time. Like we run out of time and we seem sad. I know. Maybe the listeners were like, "My gosh, that took forever." <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys so much, and we're praying for you. Yeah, we do love you. Pray for us. We'll God see you bless. next week. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.